2: Hello, good morning and welcome to the Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell, with you until 10 o'clock. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours and hard luck to another contestant who has struggled with Ireland's easiest quiz. It's rather dull outside, but the good news is, brighter weather on the way. It's a bank holiday and I hope this finds you well. Carlo Arts Festival is underway, lots of events going on in person, online, online. And virtually and so on Good to add to Joe Mangan, director yesterday In Curlough And they've got a really exciting uh, program lined up Proving that the show must go on. The show will go on this morning until 10 o'clock, as I said. And this morning, as the tourism and hospitality industry this week begins to reopen, we'll be talking to Niall Burns, General Manager of the Five Star Lyrath Estate Hotel in Kilkenny, about how it's going and how the summer ahead is looking for perhaps the business, the single business, largest business sector in this area. Even vocal cords a bit rusty this morning bit early for a bank holiday Saturday. Anyway, moving on, while the economy has experienced massive disruption over the last 15 months due to the pandemic, we'll also uh, be talking about food. Claire McInerney-Brown will be talking to two local food service companies who have pivoted and who are expanding. And of course, small and medium-sized businesses provide the lion's share of business activity and employment in this economy in Ireland. During the week, the government announced details of its long-awaited economic recovery plan. We'll talk to Neil Macdonald, the Chief Executive of ISME, the Irish Small and Medium-Sized Business Association, and I'll be asking him what his members think about the plan. But first, we always like to get an international perspective on this programme, how Ireland looks to the world, and how big international issues are likely to impact us. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Marwina Cunningham, uh, Dublin Bureau Chief at Bloomberg News, the company who aim to deliver business and financial information news. And insight to business leaders and decision makers around the world. Good morning, Marwena. Good morning. How are you? And uh, congratulations on your new job as Dublin Bloomberg chief, uh, uh, Dublin Business Bureau chief at Bloomberg. I should say.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, it's a fantastic um, opportunity um, and a really exciting time. Um, to be working here in Ireland.
2: Yeah and tell us a bit about your uh, your career path to here. Before this you were in uh, New York I gather.
3: Yes yes I was. So I, I worked for Bloomberg in New York um, for about four years and uh, I moved there in fact um, just around the time of the US presidential election in 2016. So that was a really interesting time um, to be in the States and I was covering uh, a lot of breaking news uh, at the time so very much driven by by the election Um, and of course um, Donald Trump's election um, you know and everything being on on social media um, it was a really interesting time to be working in the news industry as well you know how things were shifting um, you know concerns about fake news being being discussed but also the way that news was being consumed, so much more social media
2: uh, yeah. shaping,
3: shaping attitudes there.
2: And interesting, just during the week, uh, confirmation that Donald Trump is off Facebook for at least another uh, two years and also off Twitter, but there was a time when his tweets and utterances on social media could literally move markets.
3: Yes, it was really a, a driving part of, of the news cycle every day for all um, news outlets, um, you know, and... The, it, it was it was daily, um, and everybody was on high alert, um, and, and it often caused a lot of sort of political fallout in um, and, and you know affected markets as well, which obviously is something that you know our clients
2: and readers are very concerned about. Yeah and um, the whole thing of of tech and social media in politics and in business a huge thing because of course say in the likes of Tesla um, if, if Elon Musk is to send a tweet it has to be vetted uh, by legal people if he if he's mentioning um, trade stuff but it's a, it's a, something that up until comparatively recently wasn't on the business agenda but now the interplay between business and social media is huge
3: it really is and we've seen that a lot recently um with um the sort of gamification of trading and particularly in in the US um you know the stocks have been uh, promoted on sites like reddit and you know we've seen a lot of volatility that's being driven by activity on social media so both in politics and business um you know it's it's a a driving uh, force now and, and regulators are looking at it very closely.
2: Yeah, and, and, and companies like GameStop, I think, um, you know, have made huge headlines and, and that all came about on Reddit as well, as you mentioned.
3: Yes, that and um, this week, um, I think AMC, the uh, cinema group, uh, was another company which, you know, it's a more old-fashioned type of, of company in terms of um, being a physical Um, business and uh, that that has had a a similar similar treatment um, and the shares have posted extreme gains you know and obviously some declines as well.
2: Yeah Um, you've taken up your new position as Dublin Bureau Chief at Bloomberg um, during a very interesting time as well and uh, Covid um, how's that been and how is Ireland looking to the international community during the Covid uh, situation?
3: Oh, yes, it certainly has been a very strange time to be relatively new in a country, and I can't wait to um, explore more of it, you know, without the restrictions. Um, you know, I was very f- fortunate to be able to do a little bit of that last summer. Um, it's, you know, it has been obviously a huge challenge for most countries around the world, um, and every country has dealt with it. Um, slightly differently, but there have been some similarities. Uh, I definitely feel at times, you know, Ireland has had one of the longest lockdowns, particularly this year. Um, And I think that's something that sometimes people internationally don't quite realise or are surprised at. But, we, you know, we've been very much um, following with with the EU in terms of the vaccine rollout, and we're seeing great progress there. And I think we have one of the highest uh, take-up rates in Europe um, for for the vaccine um, so hopefully we, we are going to see some you know progress and the reopening plan that has now been laid out you know with um, outdoor dining coming on from uh, the 7th so just a couple of days now and then uh, in July you know hopefully we will see that return to indoor dining and be able to um, you know experience more of a social life and leisure life and you know Absolutely. within the country and hopefully europe
2: and hopefully the it. weather will cooperate but we can't do much about that but business has continued and interesting gdp uh, results out i'm constantly talking about you know disruption to business and how tough it is for business but the gdp results um paint a somewhat different picture for the overall irish economy
3: they did yes we had um the first quarter GDP figures yesterday, um, and during the first three months of this year, um, the economy expanded by 7.8%, which is, you know, quite a big increase. And in fact, compared to a year ago, um, that figure was nearly 12%, uh, which makes it, you know, one of the fastest growing economies in Europe. Mm. Um, Of course, that does come in part um, from uh, multinational Companies and so perhaps you know the domestic picture has not necessarily you know kept up with that high level of acceleration um, and that's obviously going to um, draw quite a bit of attention in terms of the way that international companies are taxed in Ireland and something that's being discussed this weekend in fact um, at the G7 meeting in London, um, looking at getting a uh, agreement on a minimum corporate tax rate uh, in Ireland you know, has a 12.5% tax rate, which is lower than most other countries and certainly, you know, in Europe and the UK. Uh, So it will be very interesting to see how Ireland responds to any agreement that that is made and and what impact um, or, or lack of impact that has on, you know, international companies in Ireland, which is obviously driving a lot of the economy at the moment.
2: Yeah, and, and quite a bit of, it, it's always sort of a footnote. I heard um, BBC News reporting that, you know, that there was a historic deal close, but that Ireland, and I think it was Malta, holding out and seen as obstacles C- can be an uncomfortable position for Ireland to be in at these round tables, I imagine.
3: Yes, um, I, th- I think there's going to be quite a bit of discussion about what Ireland... You know, is is able to do, and whether whether other countries um, are able to make up the difference in, in tax. So whether their tax rates sort of have any real impact at the end of that. But I think all of the details from that will some may fall out this weekend. In fact, today there could be a statement. Um, but then there are there are uh, there's a G20 planned in July, and there's also. Um, the big OECD meeting, um, which is in October, where um, I think these things may be properly
2: hammered out. Yeah, now the Irish GDP um, results huge, um, you know, rivaling the likes of China, I, w- I would imagine. You, you worked in Hong Kong for, for a time. Um, much Must be huge differences between business over this neck of the woods and the Far East, or is that just a sweeping, inaccurate generalisation? <laughs>
3: Um, well, I think there's a lot of differences, um, you know, in in the region. I, I covered um, quite a bit of uh, the the region um, from our um, Asian headquarters, which are in Hong Kong. Um, I, I think you know it, it's a f- fascinating region, and there is there is a lot of growth um, and development um, going on there. There's very very different regulations um, and different interests, and of course, since since I left. Um, I, I moved in, in 2016, um, the, you know, the political environment has, has changed a lot um, yeah. in China and Hong Kong. And so I think, you know, that, that's something probably to watch going forward in, in terms of, you know, the business environment. But you've got places like Singapore, um, you know, which have a very different political structure, but um, quite a sort of westernized economy, um, you know. And you have, I mean, India, you know, has been a, a huge growth story uh, as well.
2: Um, and a very global know, really economy. A
3: very diverse region.
2: Yeah, and now in a very global economy. And finally, one of the big things making headlines, I don't understand a lot of it, I have to confess, but cryptocurrency. Um, you mentioned earlier on uh, about regulation of social media and, and, you know, interaction with business and so on. Cryptocurrency seems to be a bit of a Wild West, but becoming increasingly adopted by bigger companies.
3: Yes, it really has uh, been, you know, one of the main uh, stories of of the last, you know, few years, particularly this year. But we are saying there's a huge amount of volatility there, so there has been um, some alarm bells being being raised, um, you know, internationally as to to the risks. Um, central bankers, particularly, have been speaking, in, including people in the Irish Central Bank, uh, warning essentially that you know there there is this volatility and uh people i think the bank of england governor you know said people should be prepared to lose you know what they put in so um it's something that companies have been adopting you know Elon Musk again uh we mentioned him earlier you know he's um been very vocal on the subject and i think with the challenging economic you know, environment that we have have globally um, in terms of you know investment and banking um, it, it's certainly drawing uh, a lot of um, interest from everyday investors
2: Absolutely. as well
1: as
3: big
2: businesses okay well marwenna a pleasure talking to you on the bottom line and best wishes to you in your new position as dublin bureau chief at bloomberg news and we look forward to uh, hearing about what you think when you get out and about all over ireland
3: Thank you so much. It was fantastic speaking to you. Have
2: a Thank fantastic you. weekend. Thanks, Marwena. Uh, good talk, dear. That was Marwena Cunningham, who's Dublin bureau chief at Bloomberg News. Coming up, we're going to be talking to Neil Macdonald, chief executive of ISME.
0: Local at heart.
2: KCLR, it's just coming up to 23 minutes after nine o'clock. I'm John Purcell with you on The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business here on KCLR. Edward Hayden coming up just after the 10 o'clock news. Now, during the week, as another stage of the reopening of the economy got underway, the government announced details of its economic recovery plan, a four-pillared plan to chart the way forward out of the biggest economic trauma the country and indeed the world has ever seen. Now nowhere, uh, no sector indeed, is looking closer at what the plan contains than the small and medium-sized business sector. During the week, I spoke with Neil Macdonald, who's CEO of ISME, the Small and Medium-Sized Business Association. I started by asking him what the picture is like for SMEs in his organisation over 15 months into the pandemic.
1: Um, it's. We very sincerely hope we've seen the back of the last lockdown. Um, we are happy, albeit somewhat frustrated that, you know, with the reopening dates and the uh, economic reactivation plan, we have dates in the calendar, even if they're relatively conservative dates. Um, We have frustrations obviously with things like the absence of a policy on antigen testing in the workforce, which we feel um, not alone would uh, protect a lot of workers and consumers and customers. but it it would also um, aid uh, the the recovery campaign, as it were, for the economy. But we do welcome the economic recovery package announced on Monday.
2: Yeah, now before we get into the nuts and bolts of that and there are four very big pillars involved in that economic recovery plan um, ISME, small and medium-sized enterprises the backbone of the Irish economy really tell us about the type of companies that comprise your membership and how have they been getting on during the pandemic?
1: Well, well we're, we're a, a cross sectoral trade association so so unlike some of the industry bodies that you would talk to that would represent restaurants or, or vintners, hotels um, or manufacturers we, we have them all in membership so we uh, tend to take a, a, a broader view of things rather than a strictly sectoral view um, so, and obviously within that there are businesses that have been affected to a greater or lesser extent um by covid and in some cases um so, some of those businesses are actually doing better uh, than they were before and particularly those in in healthcare and pharma
2: mm, but taken as a whole uh quite a, a shocked the economy by any measure and the government announcing as you said last monday an economic recovery plan um you know ensuring our public finances are sustainable for lasting recovery uh is very important but what matters to many people running actual businesses is uh the runway i suppose uh for all the the supports that have been given um extensions and some certainty given how have you felt about how the government has handled this
1: I I, I think it has been fair and reasonable. Uh, um, Obviously, there's been a lot of commentary on the PUP payment. and the fact that it will revert to the job seekers rate in February um, which which is nine months away and we think that that's a fair and reasonable uh, commitment by government it will taper down uh, to the job seekers rate in in units of, of, of 50 euro um, but there's also a signal that the uh, EWSF the employer wage subsidy scheme is will taper as well in Q4. Now the detail of that was not given to us, um, but, but obviously some employers uh, are remain reliant on it, and, and particularly those in, in the hospitality and tourism business. Others have exited it already last year or this year, so it, we, we all knew that there could not be a, a long-term commitment uh, to that scheme, and, and we've now been told that to expect changes on it in, in Q4.
2: Uh, also some initiatives such as the extension of the commercial rates waiver and an additional business resumption support scheme and the extension of the tax debt warehousing scheme. Do you think all those measures go far enough?
1: Uh, Again, there are businesses who have uh, been trading from their premises, and I'm thinking, you know, manufacturing businesses and so on. You know, the, the government has a reasonable expectation that those businesses will pay their rates uh, and can afford to pay their rates. But but then you've had, for example, uh, non-essential retail clothing stores and, uh, and so on that have been shuttered for over a year uh, with a very temporary... Uh, break in the middle, and uh, it's not at all unreasonable that, um, you you know, there's a a legitimate question as to whether those rates should be forgiven in total. Um, Those sales are not going to be recovered. Uh, You you, you don't... um, while there's a lot of talk about pent-up demand um, and how much consumers are going to spend, uh, they're not going to spend two years' worth of consumer spending in one year. That never happens. Uh, and the reality of it is that some of the money that has been saved will remain as savings, or it will be spent outside the domestic economy. It will go on a new car or a sun holiday, and it will be permanently lost to Irish uh, traders. So, we, we, you know, it it may be the case in the longer run that there will be even some element of forgiveness
2: in this. Yeah, and there, a big emphasis on the word sustainable enterprises and they don't mean by sustainable in terms of the environment but basically there they will be hard calls made that some businesses will be judged to be well, you're not going to survive so we're not giving you any more assistance. Can you see a lot of contention around that whole area? Uh, uh, that's-
1: obviously a very um, that 's a very delicate uh, issue John and you know from the word go when when the extent of the lockdown was made known uh, in March last year and and we remember uh, the then uh, Taoiseach's uh, speech um, from Washington. We very quickly wrote to the then Enterprise Minister, Heather Humphreys, and said look, we are actually going to now have to make provision for insolvent businesses as it follows, as night follows day, that if you close down businesses, businesses, some businesses are not going to reopen. Um, And I'm sure you can see that on the main street around you, and it's very visible in Dublin as well. There are even some quite big retailers that are simply not going to reopen after this. Now, nobody is asking the exchequer to underwrite zombies. No one is asking the taxpayer to to bail out businesses that are, are simply insolvent and there's no hope for them. Um, But one of the things that we did ask for at the beginning, and I'm glad to say that very substantial progress has been made on it, is to make provision for an affordable examinership regime, because 10 to 15% of businesses that get in trouble are actually savable if if a a proper scheme of arrangements is is put in place, and there's some um, arrangement made around their uh, creditors so, um, for uh, unfortunately a lot of the businesses that get in trouble can't be saved. Uh, um, some of them will be and we're not really going to have a lot of clarity on that until this reopening uh, continues fully into July and August.
2: Yeah, and that'll, that'll probably still be there to be unfolded because um, while the runway is clear, the, the, the conditions for takeoff aren't very clear at the moment uh, and further kind of uh, cutting of sales, probably mixing my metaphors, would probably be required. Uh,
1: y- yes, um, and w- we see, for example, when when non-essential retail has opened, and now we we will have outdoor dining in June, followed by indoor dining in July. But for example, and and, and people don't uh, think about this. For for example. Um, out, outdoor events or sports uh, um, you know sports fixtures and crowds attending those they have huge uh, knock on support businesses around them in terms of event management catering and so on and the absence of clarity on, on what 's happening then uh, is is rendering a lot of those businesses very problematic. And similarly, on the on the tourist and travel front, the fact that we remain constrained and we'll we we'll, we have a testing regime which is very out of kilter with those in other countries. For example, uh, we still have no commitment to use antigen testing for inbound passengers. Um, means that the. the Irish tourist industry, which is very much a May to September uh, peak, and then followed by what the the industry would call shoulder periods, The, the that shoulder period from September onwards is, is very much in question now. Um, we traditionally depended on, on the British tourists at, uh, in the shoulder periods. The extent to which we're going to see those is very questionable now. So there's a lot of, of there's a lot of unknowns about the scarring effects of, of the pandemic on the Irish economy.
2: Neil Macdonald, Chief Executive of ISME, talking to me earlier in the week about the government's economic recovery plan, which was unveiled on Monday last. Coming up after the break on The Bottom Line, we'll be talking to two local food companies. Don't go away.
0: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the South East. At the heart of it all. At the heart of it
2: all. KCL. Casey Law indeed at the heart of it all now food companies are at the heart of it all keeping us all fed even during a pandemic but how are they getting on we thought we'd talk to two to find out and earlier Claire McInerney Brown spoke with Helen Murphy of Mooncoin Beetroot a company we've spoken to before on the programme and Rob Cowley of Kilkenny based Mise en Place catering. Claire started by talking to Rob who along with Nora O'Malley started the company which caters for corporate events weddings, communions, confirmations and all those social events that used to be part of everyday life and hopefully will be again soon. She started by asking him what happened to the company when COVID hit.
4: Rob Cowley of Mise-en-Place, welcome to the show. Hi there, thanks for having me on. Rob, yourself and Nora O'Malley set up a thriving business in Drakelands at a time when weddings, communions, confirmations and corporate events were the norm. What happened when COVID hit and your business model, like so many other businesses, went out the window?
5: Well, Claire, to be honest, it was, uh, like like a lot of people, we thought it was only going to be, a you know, not a short-term thing, but a couple of weeks, you know. Um, and after two months, it was a, a little bit of a, an eye-opener. Uh, and we had to obviously rethink what we were doing. The entire business was effectively wiped out. Our business is based on, on event catering and sup- also supply to hotels and restaurants. So all of that, obviously, was, uh, was just gone overnight. Um, but as I say, after a few weeks of at home effectively scratching our heads we said look if we're going to have to come up with something we'll have to diversify a little bit um, and we had toyed before with the, the notion of a shop but we were a little sort of hesitant about it because we're out in Drakelands which is it's, it's only 2k from the, the town centre but at the same time it's 2k it's not the high street you know people would have to travel to us if we if we were to have a shop um, so we're a little hesitant that way, but then we had a good, strong customer base there from you know 16 years of of doing the type of catering and that that we were doing. So we decided, look, we'll 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 give it a go. If we're going to do it, we might as well, you know, give it give it a good shot and you know try and do it right rather than a temporary fix just for the the duration of the of the COVID. You know, Absolutely. Um So yeah, we opened up on the first of July, and really we were kind of pleasantly surprised taken aback by the, the amount of people that came out um out of the country as we call it um and it's been it's been a great success ever since thank god and still is today you know
4: and to be able to maintain and keep your staff because of the pandemic payment which probably helped you over a hump you were suddenly able to redeploy some of those staff back into your premises and back into your let's call it your headquarters in in drake lands.
5: Yeah, we. I mean, we. This is this is. Uh, as I said before to, to different people. This is, uh, the, the most pleasing thing of it all is that all of us are back working, which was a great thing because sitting at home isn't a isn't a healthy situation to be in. Um, and with the success of the shop here now, uh, we've had to take on two additional staff, which is which is great. You know, that's a that's a real boost. Um, and now, hopefully, with the the good news coming down the line with the vaccines and that normal services, as it were, will start to reopen. So we'll be looking again further, we'll be going back to the original business that we had doing events and uh, corporate catering and that, and the hotels and restaurants. But then for sure, we're still going to maintain the shop that's here, because as I say, it's, there's, a, there's a, a huge demand for us, you know.
4: And you had so many firm f- favourites when you were catering uh, for people in their homes or when you were catering on the corporate side of things. Have you had to add new selections to that?
5: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. There, I mean, there's there's the as you call them the, the firm favourites. There's, there's certain uh, items and dishes that we do that if we didn't have them, I'd say there'd nearly be a riot. But with the shop there, people come in, you know, people are coming on a daily basis, it gives a great opportunity to for the lads here in the kitchen to road test some of their own ideas. You know, give them a bit of a, a, a spurt along to do some different stuff, and also we can we we get a fairly automatic feedback from the customer. You know, if we try decide to try something different or something new. You know, it'll. If it doesn't sell, we know fairly quickly that look, that's not working. And then you'll have customers coming back time and time again, looking for, you know, particular dishes or, or the old favourites, as we call them
4: and rob i've been able to buy from your shop for family members who were cocooning uh, it's fantastic to to be able to get things and you can you, they travel so well and you can i was able to bring them all the way to claire um but we still have some people in the community who are haven't quite yet got their vaccine so it's it's ex, an excellent choice for stocking up on the freezer for them
5: yeah like uh, everything that you know this is uh Again, like in, in a restaurant, the type of food uh, in a hotel, the type of food that you'll be doing, you know, it's, it's immediate. You're serving it there, and then the customer is, is getting it put down in front of them and such. So we'd have everything we'd have would be ready to it's, it's ready meals and such. But we have to sort of plan the the dishes that they'll work. Some of the some of the dishes they would be say suitable for a restaurant, but they wouldn't be suitable for what we're doing because Claire has to take it home, and Claire has to heat it up, and Claire has to get it onto a plate and have it, you know presentable and edible and, and good you know so there's, there's a bit of thought has to go into that side of it that it's it's hassle free and uh, you know foolproof for the want of a better word.
4: And hassle free it certainly is so Robert Cowley thank you so much for joining us on the programme this morning. Continued success to yourself and Nora and it's fantastic to see the expansion of a business just two kilometres outside the town in Drakelands, The heart of two counties.
0: KCLR
4: And now we have Helen Murphy of Mooncoin Beetroot. Helen you are very welcome to the show.
0: Good morning, Claire.
4: Helen, my earliest memories growing up on a farm in County Clare was driving a tractor down through a vegetable drill uh, with my father shouting at me to tell me to turn, turn, turn as I was on a hill. So um, one of my first hill stops and starts uh, is still etched in my brain. Uh, And Helen, your success uh, also surrounds vegetable drills, but I'm afraid your practice has grown uh, really to scale uh, since you've started Mooncoin Beetroot.
0: That's right Claire yeah we just uh, started off with just uh, literally a vegetable patch and now we're up to an, an acre and a half of uh, beetroot um, and we do the different varieties um, so yeah we just started off with the one variety and now we're gone to with four different different colours actually you know yeah.
4: And the different colours are actually essential when it comes to beetroot because we actually eat with our eyes.
0: We do yeah, yeah very much so.
4: Absolutely, and so you've you've tested and you've tried different products. You see what works and what doesn't work, uh, and which beetroot's actually maintain their colour and which ones don't. So your journey has been really, really interesting, Helen, from the vegetable patch to the one and a half acres.
0: That's right. Um, like I, like everyone, I didn't really realise there was different varieties of beetroot. And when we started, we just had the red, which you, everybody is familiar with the red, the red one, and uh, we started pickling that and as we grew and I suppose just trying to add value to your product and, and to your business, we just came you know, a bit of research, my husband did and with the different colours, so we just you know, we have a, a lovely um, yellow one or a golden beetroot and we have a white beetroot and then we have a candied one which when you slice it, um, it has rings of white and um, pink and it's really, really visually uh, appealing you know but they they're really good for the catering industry love them because they're very appealing and when you put them on a salad or they can be just so vibrant and and really appealing to eat you know so it's just a, a different rather than just your red one which which we're all very familiar with
4: absolutely gorgeous and are they the baby beets helen
0: Yes, they're the baby beets which we, we'd sell into the catering. So they're they're um we'd have four varieties in, in the box and we'd sell into the the, the catering industry which, um is you know, they have gone say with them all over Ireland now at the moment, you know, with through through LaRue Foods, so they're a a a great um addition to our business you know
4: yeah absolutely and so you have sorted your distributor but on the on the early side of your business let's say the the research and the development um you're looking at a, a yellow relish how's that going for you
0: yeah that's one we have um we initially brought it out a couple of years ago and you know, it's it's a lovely it's colour in the jar when it starts, but we've been in development now. We, we're kind of pulled back on it, and we're 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 trying new ideas with it to, to keep the vibrancy of the colour in the you know. So it's in testing at the minute. So hopefully, something new might maybe by the end of the year, you know, add to add to the to our range as well.
4: And food testing is actually a fascinating area um, where you rely on experts that help you keep, maintain that colour in your in your beetroot even through the processing stage.
0: Yeah, like um, the red holds its color on its own, and it's great. We there's no additives in our in our products, which is great. And that's where with the yellow one, we're trying to get something that's a natural additive rather than that would hold the color rather than anything synthetic. You know, so we'd be very much so natural and to keep it. To, that as, as much as possible you know.
4: Hmm, absolutely and scaling up your business then you have recently received Leader funding for the addition of a processing unit at your premises.
0: We have yeah, long awaited um, Claire, we um, got the, the funding from Leader and that's all working out now just started um, and we're uh, been waiting a while because I'm working from my own kitchen at the moment so you know with you know, teenagers and kids it's just trying to to, um, with everyone working from home everybody kind of gets it now you're trying to separate uh, family life from work life so yeah so the unit now would be great advantage to us you know and we'd be able to develop more products from it you know so
4: Fantastic. So a a really interesting success story, Helen, with Mooncoin Beetroot. You're available in many, many super values um, and you're available uh, through the Neighbourhood Food Programme, which is quite a movement and is fantastic to get fresh local produce uh, right to the customer uh, without too many intermediaries. Helen Murphy, thank you so much for joining us on the show this morning. Great. Thanks very much, Claire, for having me on.
2: That was Claire McInerney Brown talking to Helen Murphy of Mooncoin Beetroot and Rob Cowley of Mees and Place, two local food companies who've actually uh, used the opportunities presented by the unfortunate onset of COVID to actually uh, expand their businesses. And best of luck to all them. Coming up, we'll be talking to Niall Burns, general manager of the Lyrat State Hotel in Kilkenny, how they've been getting on since reopening earlier this week.
0: Lunch in air, Facebook, air Twitter. August their Instagram,
2: Casey KCLR. KCLR indeed, it's just nine minutes exactly to ten o'clock. John Purcell with you until ten when Edward Hayden takes over in the hot seat. Joining me on the line is Niall Burns, who's the general manager of the Lairath Estate Hotel in Kilkenny. Niall, I'd say you were uh, counting down the days until you could open uh, the doors again to guests. You did it this week. How's it feeling out there?
6: Good morning John, uh, I tell you it definitely was a long seven months, we closed the doors on the 7th of October and we opened them again on Thursday so we were certainly counting down for, for a long time but it's been, it's been fantastic to get open nice and Thursday. Um, great to, to welcome guests back into the hotel and have, and have all our team members back both old and new so it's been, it's been a great start.
2: Yeah you mentioned the team there, the heart of any hospitality industry, tough time for them.
6: Absolutely, John. Very tough for them. I suppose we've been very fortunate. A lot of our loyal team members have come back to us um, and we've been able to attract a lot of new team members on, on um, throughout the, I suppose the past few months since we've known we've been able to open. But definitely, I suppose, very tough, uh, especially when you're used to being a busy um, in a busy environment like Leirath and you're used to your, your weekly income the way you were. Um, it's very hard to take that away from them. but. Thankfully that's behind us now and we're, and we're back at it.
2: Yeah, now I think I was last out of the Rat uh, shortly before uh, you closed in October and at that stage uh, you were putting the finishing touches to new tea rooms. Um, but you didn't stop the investment there.
6: We didn't, John, no. The, the the tea rooms, I suppose, were a big investment last year. We just finished that off throughout lockdown. Um, since then, I suppose Xavier McAuliffe, um, our owner, um, has, has i suppose taken the opportunity to invest now um in areas that maybe we wouldn't be able to do when when we are open so he um he's invested heavily i suppose lobby has been the biggest investment piece we've completely retiled the lobby um Lyrath estate is open 15 years now uh, on the 23rd of june so um after 15 years the tiles had stood as well so so they have been changed up um, we've done a lot of investment in, in our spa bedrooms um, the main entrance of the hotel has been invested in bedroom crockery, cutlery, etc. John, so everything has got um, some sort of investment in and around the place. So, so we're very thankful, I suppose, to have owners who, who still want to continue to invest in Leirata State and, and make it and make it one of the best properties in, in the country. We're, so, we're fortunate for that.
2: Yeah, and how have bookings been uh, since you know in the run up to the reopening and now that you're open again?
6: Very strong, John. Um, Lyraff does attract because we do have the, the large space and I think a lot of customers and guests are looking to kind of get out to the kind of space and, and the larger estates. So we've been very fortunate. I suppose bookings have been very strong and they look strong towards the end of summer. Um, I suppose the challenge is going to be, John, whenever whenever summer's finished and if travel does start again, um, is maintaining that momentum for bookings. But um, so far, I suppose it's been, it's been very good.
2: Yeah, now it's coming up to 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. Um, normally business or breakfast time in a hotel at the weekend, very busy time. You've really had to adapt your working practices and how the guest experiences have been. How have people been adjusting to that?
6: I suppose, John, I actually, when I we inducted close to 150, 160 staff at the start of the weekend, I suppose wow. my, my advice to them was to, was to let them know that the customer experience has changed. I suppose when you come away from a hotel or away for a hotel break, especially at a five-star hotel, you, you don't expect to to have to pre-book everything or to do, you kind of like to do things at your own leisure. But I suppose from a customer experience point of view, they, everything has to be pre-booked, um, which is probably the biggest change for us, um, um, especially even breakfast time. I think people like to come and have a lie in and, and go for breakfast at whatever time they want. But um, pending, I suppose, with the COVID restrictions and things we got and making sure that we're complying, people do need to book their breakfast and, and obviously their dinners and spa and pool times. Um, in, in, in pre-advance, but it's working well. Um, the team have adapted very well, I suppose, to that as well, and thankfully you know, all our customers coming through completely understand that, John, that the, the, the restrictions haven't been implied by ourselves, but it's something that we have to get get on with now, especially now to get over this, this next hump. We don't want to go into another lockdown which yeah. is the most important element you
2: know absolutely and so busy uh, summer probably in prospect how is it looking for weddings and larger events and so on some light at the end of the tunnel but we're not there yet
6: not there yet um, I suppose the last um, the last week or so has shown that there is definitely some light there um, and that the inquiries for them kind of conference business that we would normally do are starting to filter back through um, I definitely feel it for, for, for the many brides and grooms who, who are due to get married in La Raffa State. have dealt with a lot of them over the last seven months in particular, if not longer, even right through to last year. Um, but I suppose the good news is that we can, you know, the weddings are going to build back up again, 50 from, from next month, 100 from the following month. Um, so it's, it's, it's looking like, the, the, like it's going to be back at it for us. So um, I suppose that was something John we thought we wouldn't be able to get, but um, that, was, that was welcome news. Um, and I suppose welcome news, I suppose, also for our, for our, our couples.
2: Yeah, so finally, reasons to be cheerful.
6: John, every, every, it's, 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 a, it's a Saturday morning, breakfast room is busy, we're busy tonight for dinner, the staff are back at work, and the sun hopefully will come out in Kilkenny, um, so it's, it's, it's many reasons to be cheerful, um, it's, it's fantastic to be back at it, um, we have a massive and a super property up here, we're, we're very much looking forward to welcoming people back now, um, throughout the summer and well into the future.
2: Well Niall, pleasure to talking to you and best of luck to all your team out in the Stage Estate Hotel in Kilkenny. Thank you John. Thank that's you. Niall Burns General Manager of the the State Hotel bringing this edition of the Bottom Line to a close remember if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us email the bottom Line at Laura 96 fmcom you can listen back to this or any episode of the Bottom Line just head to the podcast section of the KCLAure app or search your podcast platforms our latest edition of the Bottom Line newsletter is out now just register for that at Laura 96 fmcom forward slash slash the bottom line. Thanks to all our guests this week. Marwenna Cunningham, Neil MacDonald, Rob Cowley, Helen Murphy and Niall Burns and special thanks to Claire McInerney Brown for her contribution to this week's show. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produced the programme. Thanks to you for listening. Until next week, whatever the weather, enjoy the bank holiday weekend. I hope you have a good week. Stay safe, stay tuned to Casey Law. Keep your distance, but most of all keep the faith.
1: The Bottom
0: Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. Www.omf.ie.